It was the best of times. It was the blurst of times. This isn't Dickens. We're talking about Dickens instead. Welcome to Not Just Any Book Club, the best episode so far, because we're talking about Charles Dickens. Hooray. Yes, the Charles Dickens that you've heard so much about and probably, probably never, never read. read. Yeah. I am Justin, and I voluntarily, willingly read the book, A Tale of Two Cities. But I, Pierce, read the book, um, Great Expectations. This is a book club where we read the book, um, and I will say that Charles Dickens, he has earned an interesting place in literary history, um, is probably the most prolific author um, to ever come out of uh, the UK, England, right? Yes. Yeah. What? Uh, I'm like, yeah. Was he Spanish? Was he French? Was he Russian? I don't know. No, I'm just kidding. I, I, I knew, I knew it. Don't worry. Brain fart. Um, and um, he was known for making um serialized novels. Um, considering how popular he was, um, prolific. Everybody read him. If you weren't part of Dickens, Dickens little fan club, you were not reading. Um, and basically he. Popularly, uh, oh, we also got to describe what Dickensian is. Can't forget about that. But um, he he was popular around the masses for writing about political causes. Um, he wrote about the poor, and he also uh, appealed to the rich. Um, we've, we, we you probably know um, a little bit about Dickens. You definitely know Christmas Carol because you definitely watched the, or listened to that episode that we did about the adap- several several adaptations of it. Um, and like. Uh, yeah, um, despite being a, a prolific author, he's also incredibly difficult to read because he uh, wrote around the Victorian era, and oh my God, it is are his books Victorian because they're nigh incomprehensible by today's standards without a little bit of a guide, which I tried to do without until I uh, this is way too much. So, uh, do you have anything to say about Charles Dickens' life, Dickensian stuff? Um, Not really. I mean. I found out uh, after, of course, after we started doing the month, the Dickensian actually, it's not like Kafka-esque or Orwellian in the same, it's not like the same uh, kind of thing. It's more just like a novel having to do with the topics that Dickens himself talked about. Not necessarily like a, like an over, like a feeling or a, or a way to describe something so we kind of got duped by choosing it for yeah kinda, we're trying I, to re-author i've been looking into it that's not actually the rule is not orwellian or kafkaesque the rule is actually dickensian and kafkaesque and uh, orwellian break from that rule even though they're probably more popular sayings than most authors names yeah and really dickensian um describes just like writing about the poor are yep. like writing about poverty so right yeah writing about the the way of life of poor people and industry yes um and um he did take a liking to writing about like the the struggles of the lower class because um you know his, his father worked in a factory and he was indebted his father was indebted in, in a indebted and then placed in a debtor's prison and um basically he, that really struck him, and he just decided to write so much about um, just the struggles of his own life, and it shot him right up to popularity. Um, and rumor has it that he was paid 
by the word. So that's why he's incredibly verbose because, um, I mean, yeah, uh, I, he describes, perhaps over describes things in ways that perhaps uh, could be succinctly described in probably like two words. It takes 20 to eat instead. Um, not that that's bad. It's a stylistic choice. Probably something that uh, I, I thought I would enjoy it because I like Shakespeare. I, I love Nabokov, but this was this was just too much. I don't know why this was the most popular one, um, uh, the most popular author of his time. Um, probably because there's nothing better to do. I, I I just couldn't really do it. But if you're looking for the tropes that really define Dickens, um, one he popularized. Um, serialized novels so basically to keep you know viewer readers entertained he would drop them weekly um and basically keep the discussion very lively by just like keeping them on cliffhangers and i think i I don't know if he's the one that invented it but he's certainly the one that like really popular popularized it because a lot of these chapters just end cliffhangers and you're just supposed to discuss and wait next week for it so yes uh, he did popularize that um and a lot of it has some biting satire. Like, um, he, a lot of his characters are caught in some very strange, um, very unlikely situations that are very coincidental. But that's, um, it, it's part of the charm of Dickens. He's known for his humor um, and wit, and it's very, especially present in the writing, um, especially in the observation of society uh, and sometimes the satirical, mostly um, making the rich out to be. Um, or the wealthy out to be just aloof and very just greedy. So there's that too. Um, so yes. And also, also I know I'm rambling here, but because it was written in installments, he would listen to feedback and also listen to like, um, just like what people were talking about and predictions. So he would adjust very uh, fine tune his work to be uh, reflective of that. So sometimes it gets crazy. We don't know what books get crazy because, you know, we haven't read all of Dickens, but of course we've got a very good impression of him. So, yeah, I would hope so in 500 pages. Yes, please. <laughs> <sighs> well, it, this, yeah. Um, I, I guess the, who wants to start here? Who wants to talk about their Dickens book that they probably maybe understood less than hundred percent of uh i can go first justin okay so i read great expectation which great expectations which is probably his um i won't say most well known because I, you know all of his works are super well known but probably i would say the one that i've heard about the most when you like talk about the best of dickens this is always thrown in there i feel like yeah. um and part of that is probably because it is actually a departure from some of the things that makes Dickens Dickens. Um, Hmm. It's he deconstructs a lot of the like rags to rich, like the plots that even he uses rags to riches, mysterious benefactor. He kind of deconstructs that those, those plot lines. Um, And the main character is not like a like an Oliver Twist where they're kind of simple minded and but very, very good people. Um Pip, um Philip 
whatever his last name is. I can't remember. Um, they just call they call him Mister Pip. So I don't I don't remember his last name. Um, he is very intelligent, and uh, he probably is a little selfish, and he has some character flaws. Um, that I don't think you would probably see in uh, David Copperfield or Oliver Twist. Um, anyhow, uh, you basically follow Pip's early life, his um, ascension from child, uh, you know, who's going to be uh, an apprentice to his sister's husband because his parents are both dead. Um, his sister's husband, Joe Gargery, who is a uh, blacksmith. He's going to become his apprentice soon. Um, you watch him come go from that child into lucking into um, fortune. He has some kind of benefactor who he's not allowed to ask about. Um, into, you know, basically finding out that... Finding out who his benefactor is and, and the... the, the consequences of that i i won't i won't go into that because that's the whole third act it it like starts with him finding out who his benefactor is um and yeah i mean it's i would say it is a good novel um however it for me it took about 300 pages to get going um for me to not to get going but for me to get into it i should what say what edition did you read or I read the Penguin Classics edition. I tend to like Penguin Classics generally, even translated. Um, So I went with that. I know this isn't translated, but just like even the translated stuff I like Penguin for. Um, But uh, yeah, it was I I thought it was pretty good. It was somewhere around page 300 where I was like, huh, it's really now up to that point, I will say there were definitely characters who I really liked. There were definitely moments and chapters that I really liked before I got to the point where I was really into the whole like plot in general. Um, like for instance, Joe Gargery, his, um, I mean, it's kind of his stepfather uh, pretty early in the novel. Um, there's some kind of, uh, a, a thing happens where his sister is basically like bedridden and, um, She's not really able to take care of herself anymore. And his sister's kind of abusive, so it's like kind of this bittersweet thing. It's like good and bad. Like his sister is like very mean to him and like hits him. Um, and uh, but it's his sister at the same time. So it's very much like a like a So I, I do have something mm-hmm. to say to that. Um in this book, I um a woman gets beaten by her husband and it's kind of played for laughs so i don't know how much of it it's supposed to be played like you know supposed to be quote-unquote all right by our standards um and there's also some discussions that he may have been a little bit prejudiced i don't know how we're gonna get into that because i think every author we've read um or many authors we've read had their problems with yeah people well that's weird because to me it's abuse is taken very seriously in this book Hmm. um the sister is is probably made out that she's like pretty bad actually um and then there's also a moment where joe talks about how 
his dad abused him and his mom. And there was a point where they had gotten away uh, from him. And then he shamed, he got the whole town to like shame them into coming back where he, and he just continued beating them. Um, And that's, it's not played for laughs really at all. Um, Interesting. Yeah. Um, At least that wasn't my understanding of it. But uh, yeah. Um, what else to what else to What's say? What's Dickensian about it? What's Dickensian? Well, it's about a the um, material wealth of of uh, a a poor person changing rapidly because he has these expectations put upon him um, to become a gentleman uh, in order to get in, an inheritance from a mysterious benefactor. Um, but uh, let's see. What, 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 what can I really say about this without... Because well, I, I, I'm, I'm not going to be talking about the part that I was really enjoying. I'm mostly going to be talking about like the setup. But, I, but there is stuff that I haven't gotten to in the setup that I think is important to the whole story. Um, pros as well, like that. That's the okay. main thing because, like, all right. I mean, yeah, it was good. Like, I like it's Dickens. Um, that was kind of the thing that like kept me reading for a while was like some of the characters and the prose. Actually, I thought it was actually pretty good, and it didn't oh, really? feel. No, it did not feel at all like he was being paid by the word to me. I will also say that I have looked that up since you first said that to me, and it's not true. Not true. <laughs> no, okay. it's not true. Um, in fact, I saw somebody say, "I just imagine like he hand he hands his like his chapters in for that, you know, that volume, and he just stands there with his hands behind his back while his editor like counts the word to see how much he's going to be paid that month." That, one by that one. Po- now that you're actually poking holes into the logic, <laughs> I can't believe I believe that lie. Um, yeah, I from from what I've seen, it's it's not true. Um, but but to me, it did it didn't seem like that at all in Great Expectations. It actually, um, he's not succinct. He's definitely not succinct. Uh, but there, way. but there have been. There have been and there will be authors who are less succinct than Charles Dickens. Um, even if even if like we're double wrong and he actually was getting paid by the word, um, he clearly I don't think he really that got in the way of his prose very much. Um, even if that were true, which I don't think it is. Uh, but anyways, um yeah, the, basically the first volume of three. Uh, I'll just talk about that. The setup is basically like in the first volume, you get introduced to a million characters. Um, the main important characters are obviously his family. There's um, his sister. Uh, I don't know how early you meet Biddy, who is kind of like his childhood friend. Uh, she's a girl and she like helps Joe around the house towards the end of volume one. I don't remember how early that starts. Um, and then Joe Gargery. Um, and then you also meet Mr. Pumblechook and another gentleman. And these two are like 
I don't really know exactly what they do. I think they just, uh, the sister likes keeping them around because they make her feel fancy. I don't know what they, what their relation is to his family. I was actually kind of confused about that. Like, who are these people? Because um, later, Mr. Pumblechook, after Pip falls into these great expectations, Mr. Pumblechook takes, like, uh, credit for getting him to that station in life. Like he's like, I raised him since he was a boy with his sister and I, and I, I helped him, you know, become this gentleman that he is now, which is not true at all. Um, Mr. Pumblechook didn't really teach anything to Pip at all. Uh, so I, I, it was just very, it was like, I, I understood the purpose of Pumblechook, especially as it got later where it was like, Oh yeah, he's the guy who takes credit for you know somebody else's doings, mm. um, and you know he's made out to be like bad, like Dickens is saying that's bad, and um, he gets like some some bad stuff happens to him because he's taking credit for for Pip's doing. Um, anyhow, th- those are the important characters on that side, uh, but two other important characters are. Uh, Estella and Miss Havisham. Miss Havisham is a, I think she's a wealthy seamstress in the area um, who owns like a manor. And they basically, Miss Havisham invites Pip to come play at the manor with Estella. And Estella is so beautiful. And Pip falls in love with Estella, but Estella is of like a higher station than him. So it's it, it will never be. And she's mean to him, but there's. <laughs> There's one point where he gets into a fight with a boy and she lets him kiss her on the cheek. Um, and then uh, the other really memorable thing that's important from this part, from that part of the book that you really get introduced to um, is uh, he Pip randomly stumbles across a prisoner who is escaping from like a prison barge that's going down the river nearby Um and uh, he he basically tells him, like, go get me food, go get me alcohol, go get me a, f- a file. Um, and Pip goes and does that. Um, and so this, you know, there's this whole, like, experience with this prisoner. And Pip is, like, very scared and frightened. Um, and then he you know, he later sees them with Joe and his sister around and he's like afraid that the prisoner is going to like give him up. It's really interesting. The first, I will say the first volume I did enjoy probably more than the second, um, because at the end of the first, he, he learns that he has this mysterious benefactor. And then we go into the second volume and it's like him climbing in station and stuff. And it's, uh, there's some good moments, but it's, Mm. I don't know. No, nothing. Not much of it really pulled me in. Like I said, until page three hundred, outside of probably Joe Joe Gargery, um, and when Miss Havisham first like showed up in the book, uh, and the whole experience with the prisoner. Like basically, like there are mo- there were things in the book, and then it's like a lot of other stuff that has probably has to do with you know the things that I like and that's why I kept reading, but it's not like actually any of the moments that I enjoyed. Um, but yeah, uh, great expectations was pretty good. Do you think uh, we're going to be reading more Dickens? No, not anytime soon. Dickens will probably 
beyond my TBR for the foreseeable future. I'll maybe I'll come back again. Um, I thought Great Expectations was pretty good, so like you know I'll give it another shot at some point probably. Yeah. But Great Expectations was not uh, my favorite novel ever. Is this going to be a blanket statement for like Victorian literature of the time? I mean, I'm sure there there's a Victorian literature book out there that I would enjoy. Um, I have yet to read a Victorian literature book that I really, really enjoyed. Great Expectations is probably my favorite of that era that I've read so far. Um, but nothing to the level of like modernist literature, which I've you know i love i love me some modernist literature you know that anyone who listened to the show knows that it's my favorite era um sorry jane awesome oh. fans <laughs> <laughs> um but uh yeah um well i i feel like you would kind of know what my feelings are about a tale of two cities which is a book um that takes place before and during the french revolution i the most I knew about the French Revolution was from the oversimplified video, which I think actually does succinctly um, explain it. So if you want a summary of what goes on there, oh because are the two cities, the city before and after the revolution? You think that you think that, it, but it's not. It's not really. <laughs> yeah, good. That would be a very good title if that was the case. But now they get some docking points for this book because it takes place in London. <laughs> And Paris. There are really two cities. Okay, I see. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah. Uh, it takes place before and during the French Revolution. Um, and kind of in the background, you see the the, the wheels turning for the French Revolution. Um, like, you know, what's happening. Um, it tells kind of like a love triangle between like Lucy and this doctor and who's this other guy. Um, and um, I, who is the uh, and <sighs> Cruncher, I think. Um yeah, um, and usually I hate love triangles, but here I think it was used really well because, again, it was set against the backdrop of some really chaotic stuff. And if you're really looking for something like that in movie or play form, check out the movie Cabaret, which I've been begging Pierce to watch, but he hasn't watched it yet. Um, but yeah, um, it's one of those things where I really like the stuff in the background that's happening or really just like because the historical implications of everything, because the French Revolution is basically a revolt against the um the the, the basically the higher ups of the royalty the yeah, monarchy, the monarchy. Yep. there we go i was trying to figure out that word um because of just very bad conditions someone's blowing fireworks outside my house sorry um yeah and you're, you're saying you're seeing some injustices happen and some people are incredibly nasty and it's just it, it's insane like i don't know like there's there's a scene where um a guy is on a carriage he actually hits a little child and the father starts running up and saying oh my god you hit my child um and the guy because he's royalty doesn't really care just flicks him a coin and just goes on with his life just to show you how terrible a person he is and i i think it really draws a dis distinction between um black and white because it shows that um well i guessing for this for dickens People in the higher up power are usually shown to be buffoons or very just evil, malevolent people. And 
people at the bottom, they're just suffering because um, of these unfair conditions. And that's what I really did enjoy um, about this, just stuff in the background, because once the revolution starts going in like the last act of the book, it starts really going. I think Dickens really ups his prose here because um, the way that he describes the guillotine and the terror that people feel um, of like everything that's happening um, is absolutely just brilliantly written. And also, fun fact, this is um, one of two um, period pieces of um, Dickens. Um, and I think I, I forgot what the other one was, but I think this is the only one that's kind of set in a different country as well. And this is very notable because around this time, um, in knowing that he was in England, they probably didn't have the best view about French people um, because, you know, Fran France and England, they love to butt heads um, and they're not really friends. And here um, I, I forgot what book he takes inspiration from, but um, I. But he did read a bit about um, Thomas Carlyle's The French Revolution, a history. Um, and that book, the history of that book, um, it's a history book and posited that the revolution was um, an elemental eruption of the human spirit when pushed too far. Um, and he does actually take a look at like both sides of the conflict, but really sides with the underbelly, which, of course, is classic Dickens, um, which I, I, I don't know how common that was at the time, but. Yeah, some of it's a little bit dated um, and how it betrays some people, but like it's actually, in a way, kind of progressed for the time. Um, and also, it really does show how terrifying the reign of terror, terror was because, yeah. Anyways, I, I know I'm gushing about the background, but like it is very well done. Um, and I, 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 yeah. Anyways, the plot. <laughs> um, it's a love triangle um, and it, it it's told through many coincidences just like like something that can't really happen and just jeopardizes the main characters even more which is something that i usually don't really like because it just feels like um it just it can only happen in fiction there's no way this could be happening in real life i feel but, like the the coincidences thing might be a dickensian trope yes because uh because great expectations was laden with coincidences everyone's related to one another mm -hmm. somehow yeah um yeah and that is absolutely true um some identities get revealed the thing about dickens here and um this is my first rodeo well not really my first rodeo with dickens because i read a christmas carol which i was able to understand almost fluently um actually really enjoyed the prose here it was a little bit too much uh there there are some characters that go by two names and i was not able to tell who there's a doppelganger and sometimes they tell um that same character acts like the other character in disguise I get really confused and the dialogue. Oh boy. Oh, nilly. Um, <laughs> sometimes it was very tough to get through it. And look, I, I know that it, it's weird. I'm we are an impressions podcast, not a literary analysis podcast. So we're not going to give you the, the cutting edge literary analysis of well, sometimes we do. Sometimes we if we, we really enjoy, or, if yeah. we really enjoy a book, we will, but I don't think either of us really enjoyed Dickens enough to, uh, to take that dive yeah <laughs> which yeah um and if we read the same book we'd probably go a little bit more in depth but we didn't i there as well but um it's just like there are a lot of the times and i had the same problem as fears for the first two acts of this book um i was either kind of kind of confused or very unenthused to be 
sitting with these characters. I mean, I like some paragraphs, not entirely, not necessarily entire chapters. Sometimes it was very much a struggle to be reading um, some par- parts, um, not because of its content, just because, man, sometimes you get a little bit forward. I'm just waiting for stuff to happen. I'm waiting for the cool characters to come in, um, even if I can recognize those characters. Um, but the last act of this book is um, probably it's actually brilliantly well written. Um, I was engaged. Um, I could actually feel my emotions riling up. Um, if there's anything you take away from this podcast is that Dickens may not always stick the beginning, even though this has one of the best um, or one of the most famous openings of all time. It was the best of times and the worst of times, et cetera, et cetera. That's all one sentence, by the way. He knows how to write an ending um, and the ending kind of sticks with you, which before if you asked me a couple weeks ago where I didn't um, really finish the book, I would probably be very ambivalent towards not willing to read more Dickens. Now, since that last ending, plus it also has one of the most famous final lines in all of literature. Now I'm more uh, more open to reading more Dickens. Um, probably it's better to spoil everything up front because I did kind of spoil the last part of the book because I had no idea what was not necessarily no idea what was going on, but like I needed some help and really spoiling it in the process made me understand it better, which I think may be a takeaway from reading more complex literature, at least in my case is to um, have a read a summary and then read the book. Um, and you'll find yourself enjoying the execution of it more rather than being caught up by the surprise or really sometimes it could just be a guide to really understanding this. So well, that's yeah. That's with that's with any complex text. Um, I, I've been trying to get into philosophy as a side away from this podcast. Although maybe we'll do a philosophy month one day. Um, but uh, the the thing that some people say is like, read a summary, watch what other people are saying about it. Maybe like sure. look at a lecture, um, and then come back and then read it closely again. Um, So that's with any complex text. What I will say about Dickens, though, is that the character work feels good. Um, And I don't know if this is just... Maybe his characters are different outside of Great Expectations because uh, apparently Great Expectations, as far as like the main character Pip... Um, as well as probably some other characters, is an outlier. Um, but the character work in Great Expectations, at least, was was good, and it kept me interested. Yeah. Um, the characters that I liked, I was waiting to see them, see what would happen to them. I was trying to get through parts that I didn't care as much for to get mm-hmm. to the characters who I really enjoyed. Um, which, by the way... I really wish there was more Joe Gargery in this book. I really like Joe Gargery. I get the point is that he's the Dickens is making a point about like, you know, being okay with where you come from. And it's bad that he doesn't talk to Joe as much Mm -hmm. as he, as you know, he should. Um, But like, I just wish there was more Joe in here. Joe is a, he's, he was a cool guy. Um, that's my takeaway. Read Great Expectations for for and read all of Dickens for the Joe Gargery in in everyone. I have no idea if there are any other characters like that because it's the only one I've read. But I'll be on the lookout if I ever read more Dickens for <laughs> for the next Joe Gargery. 
Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't really have a standout character for Tale of Two Cities. I think maybe Lucy is the closest to my fairy character, but she, she was, I don't know, nothing really stands out. Again, I think the character here is the setting, and mm-hmm. I think that really stands out to me. That's probably, I mean, that sounds accurate from what I've heard about A Tale of Two Cities. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, uh, wow, we've hit an awkward silence in the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> we don't have anything else to say. Maybe, maybe this is what happens when we don't read a uh, read stuff that either of us... Like, I did not not like it. I just didn't care for it. It's not something that I would read for fun. The book existed in our minds, and I'm not going to walk away from this like memory uh, like, you know, remembering too many passages or really any moments. I'm like, I don't regret reading yeah. this book, but yes, the way that I look at the way that I look at Dickens and the way that I looked at finishing Great Expectations is that it's kind of like life homework. You know, it's like you should read Dickens. You should read Great Expectations because they're like the novels. Like Dickens is like the novelist in English, at least. So it's it's like you can now say that you've read him. Yes. Now you can say it. Now you can be like, ah, check that off the list. You know, I've done the thing that like tons of people say that you should do. And now I can say that I've read Charles Dickens. And um, yeah, I don't regret it. It it was it's good. It's good. It's yeah. Good. Uh, I mean, I. Uh, but also, don't be afraid to put down a book you don't enjoy. But yeah, yeah. I I I mean, I was tempted a few times, but I pushed through, and now I can officially say that I read this bad boy. <laughs> Uh, yeah. we're not, I don't think we're selling it very well. There are things to like in both of our books, I think. Um, just, you, yeah. You got to push through the things you don't like. Um, I think the thing, a thing that I saw online recently, which I've actually kind of taken to heart at this point, is don't be afraid to like read faster. Like, understand that if there's a part that's really boring and you're not getting. And you're 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 tempted to put it down anyways. Why not try and read faster? And then maybe like you get to a point and you're like, oh, that did sound interesting. Let me go back and and reread that because you know maybe I skimmed through something that it was actually interesting. Or maybe you'll read faster, not getting all the details, and then you'll get to a point that you do find interesting, like mm-hmm. the next chapter, or just like a few paragraphs down, or whatever. Um, it's it's but- good to look at the historical context of the book. Yeah. I thought or I was just saying like, don't be afraid to put a book down that you don't like. Also, don't be afraid to push through a little bit. If you don't like it, like, you know, use a tactic where you don't have to read every single word super closely Mm -hmm. just to like, you know, get to parts you do enjoy for something that you quote unquote should read. Yeah. Um, it's good to look at the historical context around the surrounding the book and like what it influenced. And, you know, this, this was basically what I, I did with just movies. Um, now I'm a movie aficionado. I'm not going to go on a big tirade over here, but that's what I did with just old movies. And now I really do enjoy old, old movies. Now I'm trying to know as much about books as I do about movies. 
it, it's been a scattershot and it's success. Um, I, I, I don't want to say that I've crossed out entire eras or genres, but man, sometimes am I just not really feeling it? Um, but reading its historical context, um, why it's so appreciated, even looking up a literary critic, um, I was like talking about this book um, for its significance. Um, I know that we said that, you know, you can read this for bragging rights, but no one's going to fact check you if you say you did, but you really yeah. didn't. Yeah, people are going to be like, I see you skimmed page 152. Or that. you listen to not just any book clubs episode on Charles Dickens. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where you get all of your information from about it. Yeah, it is good enough. I agree. Uh, And on that note, um, next month, next month, we're announcing right now, next month, we will be going from one kind of wordy and a little bit difficult to read author to Cormac McCarthy. Another, I don't know how wordy is, but he is somewhat difficult to read. Um, Very much so. It's yep. a redemption arc for me. Because <laughs> Justin's already tried this author. But yes. so we're going to do that. Um, you can also join us for Bookends, where we'll be watching um, the famed movie by the Coen brothers, uh, No Country for Old Men. I, I always, I don't know why I forget the, I just country. I just blank on that for no reason. Um, He's an old man. <laughs> <laughs> um. And yeah, follow us on Twitter at NotJustAnyPod for information on this show as well as uh, our other one on Tabletop RPGs, not just any RPG. Um, please give us a like, a rating, follow exactly. whatever it is on whatever platform. Really appreciate it. Please. And yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. By the way, we timed this really well because Cormac McCarthy is releasing two books um, come the fall. One of them's called Goodbye, and the other one's called Prometheus. But he's also actually releasing two books. We timed it very well. Oh, the first I, book in I sixteen actually, years. I actually did not know that. That's what that like his books weren't called that. I was gonna. I was looking it I up. Got but him. I was just gonna. <laughs> <laughs> I was like but, Goodbye, and then you said Prometheus, and I was like, Oh, oh I, I see. Got him. Yeah, he's a new Rickroll. 